0: in. I can't go to the Lord and stay tough. It just doesn't work. If I pray, I cry. Just the way it is. All right. The book of Revelation is the great hope that God left for all of us. I started talking about the Olivet Sermon this year when we met with Jesus and his disciples right before his death. And he said, after everyone's heard the gospel message, after the whole world's heard, I'll come again. And that's, we can't ever lose sight of that in all of the speculation that has existed throughout all of the years about this amazing book we call the Revelation. Don't ever lose sight of the fact that Jesus didn't know when he was coming back, and nobody else does either. But we do know this. Jesus will come back at the perfect time. He will come back when God says go, and he'll come back like he is today, not the Jesus we picture in our minds so much of the time. Uh, The revelation is not only a hope, it's also warning for people today. There's a future that we should live with every day. We have this blessed hope. And we should be driven by that, especially during the hard times of life. This book is the only book in all of the Bible that promises to bless the hearer or the reader. The only book in all of Scripture that says this book is a blessing to everyone who hears or reads or listens Uh, Blessed, makarios, it's the same word Jesus used in the Beatitudes. Blessed, joy upon joy, increasing joy. Blessed is the one who reads aloud. That would be the priest in this setting. That would be our preachers. That would be me teaching it. Whoever it is that speaks these words, blessed are they for speaking these words. Blessed also are those who hear it and, for all of us, take it to heart. Take what is written in there to heart. What that means is these words of the revelation should motivate you. They should strengthen you. They should inform you. They should be your motivation, your truth, so that you know there's not a day that is not lived with the hope of heaven. Blessed is the person who takes it to heart because the time is near. We get so focused on that phrase, we sometimes miss the point, which is the blessing. The time is near. Now, John thought it'd be in his lifetime. And most of the first century Christians did. But by the time of this writing, John's an elderly man. I used to think he wrote this from the island of Patmos. He may have written down things at the island of Patmos, but he could have written it either on the island or when he got off. There's a cave that we always take groups to when we get the chance to go to Patmos. And carved into the side of this cave is the place where tradition says John, elderly John, put his hand to help him stand up after he'd finished praying. And so it's, a, it's my favorite place on planet Earth, is the island of Patmos, sitting in that chapel. It's, uh, well, I'm like, you know, moments from the ugly cry. It takes everything I can not to just cry. It's, it's precious. But that's because of these words that he wrote. Blessed are we because John, in his worst of days, was visited by Jesus. And Jesus said, you write these things down. So we'll look at that because we are waiting for the return of Christ. But for some of us, the time is near. The time's getting nearer for me all along. I, I, I get this stuff on the QVC that you're supposed to put under your eyes and it sucks up the wrinkles. And I'm like, okay, it's not working like it used to right i mean the time is near it's it's for all of us he's either going to come back in our lifetime or he'll come back at the end of our lifetime either way the time is near and as i said at the beginning of the year i don't know anybody who got to be 89 and thought boy it took a long time to get here right we we all feel that way. Don't y'all think you're 26 or ought to be? I mean, it's weird. The time is near. And we should always be ready. We should always live with this hope. Because even when the time is certainly near, we have this great hope. So we will keep doing what we've studied this year until the whole world hears. Because then Jesus is going to return. And as I said at the beginning of the year, for the first time in human history, it is quite possible that the whole world will have access to God's word uh, in our lifetime. They say by 2050. So... Because those that don't have are dying out because the, everybody under the age of 30 has a cell phone, okay? Everybody does. So as the older generation dies out, that those numbers will go up multiplied. It is quite possible we are really close, and that's why I wanted to teach these lessons. And honestly, Jim and I are devoting our ministry to making sure we help with that because The most potent mission field right now is the Internet, and we are loading it up with the Word of God. That's what we do. And the biblical Word of God. That's our job. And so that's our joy because we want to keep writing until the whole world hears. I'd like never to get to 96. Honestly, I'd like to get to 95 and have the skies open up. That would be just great with me. So we got to do this once in a while, y'all. It's only right that it should mess up on my last day. I, I should have learned this by now, but obviously not. Okay, the book of Revelation, written by the Apostle John. It was about the experience he had on the island of Patmos. May have been written on the island of Patmos. May have been written from the notes he wrote down on the island of Patmos. May have been after he was uh, released and from his exile on Patmos. It's a book of prophecy that offers both hope and warning for the future. It is a book that looks into the future. It's written as apocalyptic literature. So important. You can get bogged down and messed up if you take the book of Revelation literally. And I'll tell you why. Remember when you had to memorize that poem, two roads diverged in a yellow wood, dot, 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 and I took the one less traveled? If you take that poem literally, you will see somebody take a nice walk and see what they saw. It's not the point, is it? The main lessons are hidden. It's when you think about it. It's about living your life not by everyone else's standards, but by the path that's chose, that you choose. And that's what it, the poem is about. When you read the book of Revelation, you don't read it in a literal sense. You read what it's about, and then it will bless your life. And are some things literal? Absolutely. Are some things not literal? Yes. Is there a whole lot of confusion in the middle of it? Mm Mm-hmm. Because apocalyptic literature was like a language of poetry where those in the day, especially those that came from the Jewish faith, so many of the pictures in the book of Revelation come from the book of Daniel or Zechariah, prophecies that were written for important times. But remember, Daniel was told, you seal this up and don't show it to anybody. In the book of Revelation, John is told, you don't seal this up. This is for everyone now. It was a popular way of writing in the first century because it protected words from uh, people who might read them and use them to persecute a lot, we're getting a lot of that lately, right? It used phrases that they would have completely understood, pictures, illustrations they would have completely known because they had a good knowledge of the Old Testament, especially the prophets. And they would have known what he was saying, and we've lost some of our ability to know. But you need to study the book of Revelation like Mark Twain suggests. And he said, it's not the parts of the Bible I don't understand that bother me. He said, it's the parts that I do. And that's a really good approach to take to the book of Revelation. But don't ignore it. Blessed are the people who read these words and take them to heart. And that's the way we ought to look at the book of Revelation. So what are we going to see when Jesus returns? He's going to come with the clouds. My new way of looking at it is that everybody's going to have some form of technology in their hand. And because our whole life is stored on the cloud somewhere, that uh, why wouldn't Jesus come back? You know, we live on a round planet, but if you've got an iPad in your hand, you can see anything all at the same time. Correct? Correct. That's my um, Janet Dennison version of Revelation. Please don't repeat or print that. (laughs) So here's what we do know. Every eye is going to see him return, even his enemies. All the peoples of the earth will mourn. And here's a very important phrase. Why? So shall it be. That phrase in the original language is very much, it is finished. Amen. That's it. So those on earth are going to mourn because they're going to see the people who aren't going. Jesus has returned, and they see the ones who aren't going, or they are the ones who aren't going. Everybody mourns. So shall it be. It's done. The next time Jesus returns, nobody will wonder, is he the Messiah? Everyone will know. And that's the promise of the book of Revelation. But in that moment, it's done. You won't be able to look at a loved one or a good friend and say, hurry up, you need to accept Jesus really fast right now. I doubt you'll have that opportunity, not with this phrase. When Jesus returns, it's done. I think of his words on the cross, it is finished. And when he returns again, it's completely finished. So keep that in mind as part of the warning of the book of Revelation. There is time, but you don't know how much. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the first letter of the alphabet and the last and everything in between. Who was and is and is to come, the Almighty. Part of what the book of Revelation does is it marries and joins together again in heaven, the triune God. And the three are three and one, and that's all I know how to say about that. We'll see another example in a minute. Jesus will come back as he is today. So I put that question in there to think about what Jesus, when you bow your head and picture Jesus, what does he look like? Probably that last good Christian movie you saw that was about his life, right? That's how you picture him, you know? Um, For a long time, I had to get over, what's, I forget his name, you know, the one that did the passion, what was his name? Caviezel, Jim Caviezel, right? I think that's his name, because I pictured Jesus, and there was Jim Caviezel, and I know that's not true, right? (laughs) Jesus is right now glorified. He is the Jesus that is described in the book of Revelation, and he is that right now. And when he comes back, he won't be that Jesus in the robe and the sandals. He'll be that Jesus on that white horse. He will be that victorious Jesus, and so shall it be. That's it. Jesus will come again, but he will come as he is in heaven glorified, exalted. Our great high priest, that sash, that golden sash, he is the high priest, our intermediary between the world and God, and he will come back to join us all together. Book of Revelation. I cannot wait to see him. Imagine. I would love to be alive when he comes back, but I've told you this before. I've been at the bedside of a person in Midland, Texas. She hadn't spoken a word in I don't know how long. And she was dying, and her family was gathered, and we were there. And in a moment, she sat straight up, and she said, Jesus, she saw him. We will see him come get us. I've never doubted that. Ever since, I saw someone see him. So, she didn't wonder who it was. She knew her Lord had come for her, and she died shortly thereafter. John fell at the feet of Jesus, this vision of Jesus, and we will too. We will be in awe. Of his coming, we will not question, is that you, Jesus? You will know with certainty and confidence that Jesus has come. It'll be, as Paul wrote in Philippians 2.10, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. At the name, the character, the person of Jesus, every knee will bow. We will not wonder. We will know Jesus has come. So this, I shouldn't have said letter. It's really more of a book. It's really more of a, I don't know how to describe it, a work of John. He wrote it to the churches that were located in and around the area of Ephesus. It's Asia Minor, uh, really mostly modern-day Turkey. And it is probably... The part it is probably that John was pastor, a circuit riding pastor to all of these churches. They all had individual people at the church that served, but he probably traveled. They are arranged in an order that he would have gone through. Why the number seven? There were more than seven churches in this region by now. Why does he pick seven of them? Was it because they were the ones he wanted to talk about? No, the number seven is perfection. The number of seven is totality in the book of Revelation. This means this is John's letter Jesus's words of warning to every church, to any church, to all the churches that will ever be. And it's been said that every church can find themselves in the book of Revelation, their strengths and their weaknesses. And some relate to more than one of the churches. Every problem that will ever exist in churches existed in John's day, existed throughout church history, and exists still today. And even more, we'll still exist until we are perfected in heaven. I've said before, the only perfect church that exists, you have to die to get into. That's the truth of it. And so in this letter, if you can just read Revelation 1 to 3 and then 22, you will get the point of the book of Revelation. I like reading the whole thing through. It's not what you don't know that matters. It's what you know that does. So, To these churches, he wrote these letters, and he said it'll always be this way. Churches will always struggle with these things. They'll be strong in some areas, weak in others, and God will commend them for some things, and he will judge them for others. This book of Revelation is an eternal promise of the way things are and always will be, this side of heaven. John was told to write what he had seen, and what is now what is now and what is to take place later. Because the words of the revelation are for now. Gain wisdom from this book now so that you can be rewarded later. It's an eternal promise of hope. It's written so that there's never one day a Christian doesn't have this amazing eternal hope. Um, I'll see if I can say this, but I'm going to say it. One of the things I most enjoy, and I've said this to several people this morning, we've had this life where we have gotten to know this amazing quantity of people, and we get to have this little piece in a whole lot of people's lives. And part of my grief is that I would like, there's so many faces in this room, I wish I had months just to spend doing stuff. But my joy, my confidence is this. We have all of eternity to hang out. We have all of eternity to, to you know, sit by that river and just put our feet up and put our feet in it. I got in trouble up at um, the gates of hell, which is a literal place because I decided to baptize my feet. I got in trouble. There's something wonderful about it. that's That's the original place where the um, Jordan River begins. And so I just had to stick my feet in it, but I got in trouble. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm not sure why I said that, but it came out. Either way, but we, I bet you in that river of life, we maybe can stick our feet in that one. I don't know. We'll see. This is a promise. Everything I'm about to tell you, is a promise. It's from the Apostle John. It is his trustworthy truth that he is telling us. So pay attention to what heaven is. The river of the water, the river of the water of life flows from singular, the throne of God and of the Lamb. There is a throne. I keep, I, I, that kind of got to me this time. I thought, I've always divided. I've given Jesus a throne, God a throne, and then the Spirit just kind of moved around. I don't know why, but this kind of corrected me. There is a throne, and this life comes from them, the triune God. And it flows down the middle of the New Jerusalem, the great city. And the tree of life stands on either side. No matter what the water divides, life is everywhere. And the leaves are for the healing, not of people. We don't get sick in heaven. The trees are for the healing of the nations. The nations. As long as we live on earth, Russia will invade Ukraine. And China will want Taiwan. And honestly, if you look at American history... Our settlers wanted the Native American's land. Human history is about one nation fighting the next one. It always has been. It's part of the curse of being out of the Garden of Eden and living this side of heaven. But there won't be a need for our physical healing. What is healed in heaven is what I just said. There's no division. There's no nations. There's individual, but we're all one family. And we can't even comprehend what it's like to not look at a person and see them as different, but only as a brother or sister. That's heaven. We're family. There's no longer any curse. That Probably relates back to Genesis 3, I believe 17. It was the curse God put on the land that instead of it being the Garden of Eden, it would have thorns and thistles, and there would be droughts and famines and floods and weather and heat and July in Texas and, uh, you know, January in Wisconsin and all of those things. It's the curse that's put on the physical planet Earth. And there is no longer any curse. Everything around you is perfection. Pete delcus is out of a job. <laughs> no longer will he interrupt and say, take shelter if you live in this district, right? So that's the joy of heaven. There's none of that. The throne of God and the lamb are in the city. We're there with Jesus. We're there with God. His servants will serve, and look at this, him. His servants will serve the triune power of the living almighty God. And it's him, not them. We will see his face and will carry his name. It's written on our forehead. Basically, we're family. We have the same last name. We're all part of the family of God. There will be no need for, uh, no more night, no need for light. God will give them light. I really like sleeping, but I don't know if we sleep in heaven. There's no night. So I actually really like sleeping. But in this first century world, night was fear. It was danger. If you were caught outside at night, your life was threatened. None of that in heaven. God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. And then, just in case you're wondering, these words are trustworthy and true. So pause for a moment. If you think of heaven as something you hope is real, address that feeling right now and cross over into confidence. Heaven is not something we think or imagine or hope might be. If you are a child of God, you are already welcomed there. You belong. Your mansion is under construction, right? Don't live with a weak hope Instead, live with a confident hope of where you're going. It will change your life. That's the book of Revelation. And there's been so much discussion about this book, about, well, it could mean this, it could mean that, here's what I know, and we don't. And here's, there's been so much controversy about the book of Revelation. Stick with what we know. This is trustworthy and true. Jesus said, look, I am coming soon. Blessed, Makarios, blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. Don't just know what it says. Keep it. Don't just hope there's a heaven. Live with a confident, realized understanding. There is a heaven. And I'm going. John fell down to worship the angel. When he fell down the first time in front of Jesus, Jesus touched him and lifted him up. When he falls down in front of the angel, the angel says, don't do that. And it reminded me of the way he closed First John. Little children, don't, what was it? Don't worship idols. Don't I forget how it was. Was it worship, don't worship idols, don't follow idols, rid your life of idols? That's how he ended First John. And it reminded me the same thing, it's the same theme. Don't have an idol, even an angel of the Lord. You don't worship. Angels are fellow servants. Keep in perspective who we worship and everything else and he told him, don't you seal up these words. These words are for all people for all time because the time is near. The vile will continue to be vile. The one who does right will continue to do right. I would love to say that things are going to get so much better. They might, but then they're going to get bad again. There will always be vile people. The holy person The person who's been saved and made holy, whose life has been set apart for God, needs to continue to be holy. Our goal every day is to continue this day living a holy life set apart for God. And he says, look, I am coming soon. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. You can trust John. He had lived a long life. He had no reason to say anything that wasn't true, and people knew they could trust this last apostle that was still alive. He said, I saw him. I was there. I heard and saw these things. I know this is true. Keep going with the book of Revelation until you trust John and what he said. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. I will give to each person according to what they have done. I wish I could say it's all good. you got every single day to be rewarded for what you do. Think Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on what you think you're supposed to do, what you know you're supposed to do, but in every way, know God. And then he can direct your path. Think Romans 12, 1 and 2. We did this last year. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That is your spiritual act of worship. That's how you worship God. Do not conform to the ways of this world. Instead, be transformed by what you know, the renewal of your mind. And then you can test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, perfect will. Think back to what Micah said, I have told you, O oh man, what is good. We know what to do. We have studied it between last year and this year. You know what to do to live a holy, consecrated life for the Lord. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. That's Jesus. He was there in the beginning, and John wrote that. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he was with God in the beginning. And he will be with God the day he stands up to come get us. And he gives one last blessing. Blessed, Makarios, are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Who is it that washes their robes? It is the one who knows they are going into a holy place. A Jewish person did not enter the temple like we do sometimes. I've been notoriously bad for saying, well, I wore that to teach Thursday. I'll just run that again on Sunday, right? They entered the temple completely clean, as purified as they could be. Their robes were washed because they were going near the presence of God. Blessed are those who are ready and prepared to meet Jesus are ready and prepared to enter into the city so that they have a right to the tree of life and they get to go through the gates. Uh, One of my favorite pictures is that the gates of hell, we call them the pearly gates, and it came from the shack. And I read this and I've always filed it and think of it ever since. The pearly gates are made of pearl. The gates to heaven are made of pearl. And the author to the shack said that's because The pearl is only gained by taking the life of its creator. We enter through the gates of pearl because it cost the creator his life, his son, his self to get us in there. So when we go past those pearly gates, let's remember what it cost for us to be allowed to enter there. And hard word. Everyone will either go through those gates, or they'll be outside. Outside are the dogs. We think of that as slander. It's descriptive. It it describes feral dogs who act on whatever they want to do at that moment. The dogs, uh, the Jewish people called the Gentiles dogs. That was the word they used for Gentiles, nonbelievers, and that's really the better illustration of this definition, dogs. It's a non-believer. It's someone who refuses to allow their life to be transformed and who's been washed by the blood of the lamb. Our robes are washed because they're washed by the blood of the lamb. And those who are outside are those who never gave their life to Christ everyone is one or the other. Do not rest in some notion that Jesus died for everyone, therefore everyone's going to heaven. That is a false unbiblical theology, and you can't camp there. It's one of the reasons evangelism has died in our world, is even Christians who don't believe that technically believe it practically. So, Jesus says, I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. He is the Messiah and always will be. And here is our job for the rest of our lives. You know, I I said until the whole world hears, this is what the whole world needs to hear. The spirit and the bride, the bride of Christ is who? It's us. The spirit and the bride say, come. They don't say, you need to go. They say, come. We're inviting you to be with us. We're inviting you to a better place. Come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Think of the woman at the well when Jesus said, I will give you The water I give you, you will never thirst again. Think of that. Come and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. If I were to say one thing about this whole lesson that I've been thinking about, it's this. I need to not tell people, you need to go. I need to Grab onto him and go, come with me. Come with me. Come. What a different sense that invitation is, isn't it? I know the way. Come with me. That's our witness until the whole world hears. And then it ends with this. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. And if anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share of the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in the scroll. If I've taught you one thing, I've taught you nothing else. If it's not biblical, it ain't good. Okay, I don't want to hear nice words that sound better than what the Bible says is true. And there's a ton of that going on, and it's going to get worse. Okay, you are here. You know God's word. You've studied it. Come next year, you'll love it. it this room is the meat of your soul. It's where you dig the word of God out for yourself and you learn what it says. Camp here. Never be without Bible study. It's everything. He who testifies to these things, that word testifies is the legal term for having raised your hand and taken an oath that what you say is the whole truth and nothing but the truth. He who testifies says, yes, I am coming soon. Jesus took an oath. He's coming for us. And he said, amen, come Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. I made it. (laughs) (sighs) Okay. Amen means let it be. And so you all march I wanted to tell you these couple of things make sure your small group leader has your email you need to be back here next year it's going to be a great year keep inviting people to come share the gospel and bring them with you until the whole world hears because I'd rather not ever have to be 95 okay just go ahead my knees are already hurting let's get it done so, keep sharing the gospel until the whole world hears, because I want Jesus to come back before my knees give out. Please keep up with me. Um, just Google my name and you'll find your way. I have an app, even. I just if you go into the App Store and put Foundations Bible Study, I, you'll find my app. And I'm working on Wisdom Matters. It's my. Big job for the rest of this summer is to finish that. It's my joy because the world needs wisdom. And share anything. It's all free. Just share it. Give it away. I just want to teach God's word to people. And I'll never meet him this side of heaven, but uh, most of him anyway. But I want to keep teaching. I want to keep teaching you in some form or fashion. So come find me. And then before Melinda comes up, I wanted to just give you, I knew I couldn't say it, just read it. I love y'all, and I really am grateful. It's been my great, great privilege.
1: is not crying these are tears of joy you know they they are we just love you so much Janet and we thank you for years and years and years of Bible study we have learned so much and as a group we want to present Janet with a Bible and the Bible will be downstairs at the reception and we want each of you to sign it choose your favorite verse open the bible and put your name in janet's new bible we uh, have a little donation for you too here janet and now if all of you will please go to ellis parlor we have a wonderful reception for Janet, and she promises she won't cry much, but she would she would love to give all of you a big hug and tell you how much she loves you. So we will adjourn and go to a nice fellowship for Janet in Ellis Parlor. And I think all of you know the way, don't you? Okay.